Good morning, everybody. How you doing? It's good to see everybody. Good morning. Happy Veterans Day weekend. What an awesome, awesome weekend this is. Um, very excited to be here. Glad you guys made the decision to be here. You guys all had a choice to make, and you decided to come here. Uh, that's pretty awesome, and it's uh, it's awesome that we have a choice and a freedom to be here uh, in church, serving and, and and worshiping a God and, and hearing the gospel. You know, in a lot of places we wouldn't have that same freedom, and uh, it's something that is easy. Thank you. Oops. Very kind. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I get very parched when I have to speak for long periods of time. So that's something I do. I'm gonna put this down here. All right. So um, it's awesome that we have that freedom. We wouldn't have that freedom everywhere in the world, and uh, and that's uh, thanks to our men and women in the service who who uh, give their time and their. You know, I think about I've been thinking about Trey all weekend. Uh, uh, he's a former youth grouper, and uh, he's now serving in the military. And I've been praying for him and just thinking about him and. And there's a lot of different people that I can think of that have served, and, and I've got the opportunity to meet a lot of people who've served, and man, it's just an awesome, awesome thing. Uh, today we're going to talk about freedom. We're going to talk about the cost of freedom. Um, so if you guys will stand with me, uh, we're going to read out of John chapter 8. If you have your Bible, it's uh, John chapter 8, verse 32 and 33, and we'll come back and read 31 a little bit later. Um, you can read from your Bible, you can read from the screen, or you can just listen. Those are your choices to make. It's a free, little free choice for you there. Um, <laughs> 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Someone say free. All right. Father God, thank you, Jesus, for another awesome opportunity to come together as a church family and just learn of you, God. Father, today I ask for your help as I bring a word that you've given me, Father, to help edify the body of the, of the church and to help build up other believers and to, and to give a message of freedom and hope. And Father, I ask that you allow me to do that precisely and with love. Father, today I ask that you would open our minds, open our hearts, God, open our ears for what is about to happen here. Because, Father, I truly believe in my heart that you're going to set people free today. And I love you. I thank you for everything you're doing in this church. I thank you for the amazing vision that you've given us. And, and Father, I just ask that you bless us in each thing we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. In 1776, the American people declared their independence from the Great Britain. The cost of freedom was paid in the blood of 50,445 Americans that day, or that war, sorry. 25,324 of them gave their life in the revolution. Since then, Americans have enjoyed freedom in all of its glory. It's been awesome. However, since that time, in the 242 years of American history that we've had, there's only been 21 years of total peace time. Uh, that rounds out to about 93% of wartime and 7% of peace time. 
It's funny to me when you talk about freedom, how it's hard to do so without talking about the blood that was shed in its cause. And today I'm just, I'm extremely honored to have the opportunity to be able to stand where I'm at on the platform that I'm on uh, with a microphone, sharing the gospel that I believe in so dearly. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's easy for us as Americans to take freedom for granted. It is. It's just like if you buy a new vehicle. You buy a new vehicle. Anybody in here ever buy a new vehicle? Anybody ever buy like a new used vehicle? A vehicle that's new to them, at least, you know. So you ever notice how you like you buy the new vehicle and you're so excited? And it's like the best thing ever. You got your new car, you got your new wheels, everything's awesome and it's just amazing. And then all of a sudden you see those cars everywhere. Like you just notice them all over the road. Like when I first got my truck, when I got my Ranger, I I don't ever recall seeing another Ranger until I got my Ranger, and then they're everywhere. Everybody has one. It's like, oh, they're trying to be like me. You know, it's awesome, and, and, and it's really a lot of fun, but after about six or seven months or a year or even sooner for some, it just loses its luster. It loses its – it's just there. It's something I have, and it's, you know, it's not as cool as it was when I first got it. And it's like that with everything we buy and purchase. It quickly loses its appeal to us. It's just something that we have. My truck, I, I love my truck. I've had it since I was 16 years old. And uh, that's about, oh, sheesh, I'm getting old. It's like 11 years now. <laughs> so, um, oh, wait, man, that's crazy. Anyway, uh, so I've had it for like 11 years. It's in really good shape. The muffler's kind of fallen off, and uh, it's kind of, it's held up, you know, by uh, a bungee cord right now. And uh, Brandon, you need to weld that for me if you can. Uh, it's just kind of hanging there. It's pretty neat. It's, you know, it makes it a little bit louder, so it sounds cooler. Uh, it's starting to rust, you know, around in the bed and on the bumper. And there's rust on it, and um, and there's a dent in the fender. And we're not going to talk about that because, you know, I'll just say, you know, spider in the cab, you know, not doing that. All right, so there's a dent in the fender now. And so I'm not, you know, I, <laughs> I don't like spiders, all right? So, but I love that truck, man. And there's it's been a very you know, faithful truck. Yeah, I go out there, I start it, it, it starts. There's been about four or five times that it's actually broke down on me. And I remember one time in particular, um, it broke down on me. And in the Caseman household, sometimes when things break down, they just kind of break down. And uh, it's not getting fixed for a while. <laughs> so it's like, because I can't fix it. And uh, I remember one time, the truck was broke down for an entire year. Because uh, I just, I didn't have, the, we were working at Walmart at the time. We were just newly married. It was like, you know, there's no funds, there's no way of getting ahead to buy the parts to fix the truck, right? But in that year, I realized how awesome it is to truly have a vehicle. It's something we take for granted a lot of times, but it's so awesome to be able to have that vehicle. And it's the same way with freedom as Americans. We, we, we wake up and we had the choice of what clothes we were going to wear, and we had the choice of whether we wanted to take a shower or not. I hope that you I hope that you chose to, to take a shower. And, uh, and so, but we had the choice to, to what road we were going to take to get here and we had a choice of where we we're going to sit when we got here and who we we're going to say hi to and we had the choice if we we're going to go down and get some awesome donuts and coffee and we had all these awesome choices that we made and you know we don't think about well why do I have this freedom to make this choice you know and it's this time of year that we always do we always bring it back to remembrance and Veterans Day that we get to think about man it's an awesome thing that we were able to do this here and uh, but sometimes we lose we lose sight of that and uh, so today I want to talk about what freedom means, not only to Americans, but what a freedom means to Christians. What freedom means to Christians. I wrote down a few things. I do have verses uh, for like, actually I have verses for almost everything, I think. So um, if you're a note taker, I will read those off to you and you can write those down and go back and read 
whatever. I'm not going to read all the verses, so don't worry. But um, what freedom means to a Christian is that we are no longer slaves to sin. That's Romans 8.15. I'm sorry, no longer slaves of fear. Fear. And that's Romans 8.15. I apologize. My handwriting is really small and sloppy. So um, that is something that is awesome as a Christian. Um, we don't have to be a slave to fear. Now, does that mean that as a Christian we will never have fear, we'll never have worry, that we'll never have moments of doubt or anxiety or things like that? No, it does not mean that because you will because you're a human, okay? But it means that we don't have to be a slave to that fear. Now, I grew up in a family that, you know, nerves and anxiety is a huge deal in our family. Like, we have nerve issues. Uh, it's Brandon's fault, you know. We all have nerve issues, man. And, and so... <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, bud. I'm getting punched. I'm getting punched later. You can count on that. All right. So um, that's why I have nerve issues. I have to wonder if he's going to hit me in the arm every time he comes around me or something. But you know, we all have these different nerve issues. And, and but it's awesome because as a Christian, I don't have to be enslaved by those fears. I don't have to be enslaved by my crazy worries and my out there thoughts. And I don't have to be enslaved to that. I can give that to God, and I can say, God. Man, I know that you said you're working things for my good. I may not see that you're working things for my good. It may not seem like you're working things for my good, but I know it's going to work for my good no matter what. I can give that to God, and that's a freedom I have as a Christian. We are no longer slaves to sin. That's Romans 6, 22. You want to go and read that? We're no longer a slave to sin. Sometimes sin, and if I'm just being honest, can be pretty pleasurable, and it can be pretty enticing. And it can be pretty awesome. And living in sin, a lot of times, as a, you know, a Christian, we look at it and we know what it is and we know what it does to people. But on the outside looking in, if you're the sinner looking into the church, you're thinking, why would I come in and go to church when I'm enjoying what I'm doing here? I'm having a good time here. I like what I'm doing here. I like this lifestyle. This is working for me. How are you saying this is going to be better if I'm already enjoying what I'm doing? And you don't really truly realize what sin is doing to you and how much it's actually enslaving you until you try to get out of it. Anybody that's in here that has become a Christian, they know what it's like trying to come out of a sin, trying to get away from the sin that you were in before you got into church, and what it's like a continuous struggle trying to stay out of the sin. And so that's something that we have. We have that freedom from sin. We don't have to be enslaved to sin any longer, Ernie. We don't have to be enslaved any longer because God has given us this awesome freedom that we don't have to be slaves anymore. And it's an awesome thing. Um, I love that. We are free to serve one another with love. That's in Galatians 5.13. Galatians 5.13. We are able to serve one another with love. We are free to do that. And I know every time I get the mic, I end up talking about serving. and um, I don't want to do that today. But I will say this. What that looks like is just building each other up, okay, um, encouraging one another. The body of Christ, there should be unity there, and there should be a moment where you just walk up to Kirby and say, Kirby, I know that you're a teenager, and I know that your parents don't come here, but you come, and that's awesome, and I think that's great. I really do. I, I, I mean, I applaud you for coming because that, that's awesome, man. I would have never been sitting on the front row of a church if my mom and dad wasn't at church with me. <laughs> that's just me. I would have never done that. So I applaud you. That's awesome. Josiah, same for you, man. Your parents don't come here, but that's awesome that you do come here. I love that about you, man. You're always here. You're faithful to come. You come and eat all my donuts. And uh, he did save me two pecan pinwheels, okay? They're in there in my office, so don't touch those. I'm going to eat those after. It's going to be my little treat for the week. It's going <laughs> to be good. So thank you. I appreciate that. 
But that looks like that. It's just encouraging one another, building one another up. Just saying thank you for things that you do. You're always faithful to come and serve and give and, and, and pray for us. And, and it's just, you know, just encouraging one another. And when you start doing that in a church, when you start doing that in a church setting, when you start building one another up, encouraging one another, and there's a culture of just encouragement and positivity, there's no end to what Bethesda can accomplish if everybody would work together and be unified and build one another up. We're free to do that. We have that freedom to be able to do that, and God gives us that freedom. So we are no longer slaves of fear. We are no longer slaves to sin. We have a freedom to serve one another with love, and we have a lifelong sanctification process that comes out of 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. If you want to read that, Paul's talking about a process of things that's happening to set us apart from sin. And uh, we have that initial sanctification where God separates us from sin, and he, and he says, this is my son, you know, and, and this is my daughter. And, but there's a lifelong sanctification process that happens, and that's a freedom of ours, that we can know that if we're going to go through a tough time, we're going to come out on the other end even stronger than we went or when we went into the tough time. And that's an awesome, awesome thing, because Christians have that freedom to look through a storm and see Jesus on the other side. And that brings me to my last one, hope. Christians have hope. We have this awesome, glorious, glorious hope that Jesus is always going to be there for us. He's always going to advocate to the Father for us because he loves us and because he cares for us. He's going to do these things for us, and we have all these promises. If you were to read in the Word of God all the promises of God, man, you could see they're from cover to cover. There's thousands of them, not thousands maybe, but there's lots of them, okay? There's tons of them, and they're there for you. They're there for our freedom. We have the freedom of hope. My grandpa one time, when he, I remember this like it was yesterday, I don't know if Brandon might remember it, Shauna did at uh, Vanceburg this morning, but my grandpa got diagnosed with lung cancer, and in that moment, I was, whenever he called, you, was you there when he called and told mom? I was sitting, I remember it like it was yesterday, I was like seared into my brain, I was sitting there playing in the floor, I was pretty young, we lived up on the hill in Garrison there, and um, and he calls, my mom's wearing, I remember exactly what she was wearing, she was wearing a blue pinstripe pajama uh, bottoms and she was wearing a tank top it was white and she was sitting in the floor right in front of the couch and I was sitting in the floor playing watching TV dad was in his recliner and I can't remember that's the only people I can remember in the room so but anyway I remember he calls he tells mom he says listen I got some bad news um, I have uh, I have stage four lung cancer and I'm not going to live much longer okay so my mom gets this news and as a you know a, a son who hears those that kind of bad news or a daughter who hears that kind of bad news um, you start to freak out, and she started to cry and was uh, frantic and was just saying, you know, that's not fair, that's not fair. And uh, my grandpa got her to calm down, and he said, you know, Faith, it doesn't matter because I'm a winner either way. You know, if I get a go, I get to be with Jesus. But if I get a stay, I get to live for Jesus. And all he was doing was quoting Paul. But those words, as a young man, those just seared into my brain. And that beautiful, blessed hope that if we go, man, we get to be with Jesus. But if we stay, we get to live for Jesus? Man, that is so awesome that we have that blessed, awesome hope as a Christian. And those are the things that we get as Christians. We get those hopes. And I get to know that if I, when I die, I get to go and see my father in heaven. And I'm not just talking about God. I'm talking about my actual dad. I get to go see dad. I get to go, you know. And it's going to be awesome, man. I have that blessed hope. And we have that as Christians, and you have that as well if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So it's hard to talk about freedom without talking about the blood that was shed. We talked about the 50,000 
Americans who were wounded and or, or gave their life, 25,000 gave, so about half gave their life for the cause of our freedom. And uh, that's, that's a lot of people. And so what did it cost Jesus for our freedom? What did it cost Jesus for our freedom? I have a couple things here for you. Number one, for our freedom, it cost him his freedom. That's uh, John 18, 12. For our freedom, it cost his freedom. He was in the garden. They came. They got him. Chained him up. Took him off, right? But, I mean, if you think about it, if Jesus didn't want to do that, he could have got away, right? And Peter was already cutting people's ears off. He could have just let that fight go on, and then he could have just went away, shaved his beard, shaved his hair, whatever he had at that time. You know, and just went off. He didn't, they didn't have, like, social media. They couldn't share looking for Jesus, you know, if you see him, contact police department. They didn't have that. He could have got away. At any moment in time, he just could have gone. But he knew what the cost was. He knew that in order for us to be free, he had to lose his freedom. Number two and number three, he lost his, he lost his pride and he lost his reputation. And those are both found in Romans 6. No, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. Luke 22, 63. His reputation... And he loses his pride. Those are two things as Americans that we don't like to be messed with, right? We don't mess with my reputation, and uh, we don't like to swallow our pride as Americans. Is that true? You ever heard anybody say, like, I'm not doing that. I've been living here my whole life. People start talking about me if I start doing that. Or if I hang out with that person, man, they'll, they'll ruin me. I'm, I, I ain't having any dealings with them. And you, you hear someone say, well, you know, I knew this person. You hear, oh, but they went to jail. Did you hear they went to jail? And then you hear people start going, well, I mean, I knew him, but, you know, I, I, I didn't know him, know him, you know. Like, but you said you just hanging out with him. Yeah, but I, we were in the same place. I wasn't hanging out with him. You know, he was there. I was there. You, you don't want to be associated because you don't want your reputation to be ruined. So Jesus has his reputation ruined because even his disciples, the people who are closest to him, ran and they didn't want to die too so they ran peter denies him three times his reputation isn't good anymore ernie and he's not it's not a good thing to be associated with the man of jesus so they all run and that's what happens and that we're like that as americans too and for me this pride i'm one of the most prideful people i, I hate asking for help uh for anything um i uh and it's usually Mostly, I don't like if I need like money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I will not ask for money if I can, if I can get away with it. I'd rather do without than take a handout. I, I, I just I don't know why I'm like that. I, God's working on me. I promise you. You know I don't like that, um, and it eats me up. I remember uh, a couple times I've been with Greg and I forgot my wallet, and he he's pay, which you know Greg he don't care. He'll pay for my meal anytime if I do have my wallet because he's crazy and we can't stop him. But I remember one time in particular, we we're going to the movies, and uh, we get to the movie theater, and I pull, I went to go pay for my ticket, and no wallet. <laughs> I was like, on it. And so he, of course, Greg, he's like, not just stopped at the ticket, he goes and buys me a bunch of popcorn, Coke, and you know, just, he's been an awesome guy, and just who he is. But the whole time in that movie, I'm sitting there thinking, I can't believe I forgot my stinking wallet, you know, like, and it eats me up, I can't, I just don't like it, you know, but... I don't know why that I'm that way, but could you imagine Jesus setting when they when they take him in and they set him down, they put the hood over his face, man, and and they smack him up the side of his face and they say, "Prophesy, tell us who smacked you," and they're just blaspheming the Son of God. I mean, just 
amazing things that he had to swallow his pride because at any moment he could have said, angels, come on down and take care of this. At any moment he could have got out of that. But he knew the cost because if that had been me and you sitting in the chair getting smacked across our face, we'd be like, smack me one more time, all right? And then you're going to see some angels flying around in here and they're going to, you know, kick you or something. Man, don't, don't smack me. And, you know, that would have been any of us. We would have been right now calling down the armies of heaven. But Jesus knew the cost. He knew what it was going to cost for us to be free. He had to lose his pride. He had to lose his reputation. He had to lose his freedom. And lastly, but most importantly, he had to lose his life for our freedom. And that's Luke 23, 46. When he's sitting on the cross, or on the cross, being hanging on the cross, and he looks to heaven and he says, Father, unto you I commend my spirit. And he breathes his last bit of air. He knew all along he could have got off the cross. He could have walked off into the sunset. I am God. You are little people. Don't mess with me. He could have done anything at any time during the whole process of this. And he could have just walked away and scot-free, not have to be beaten, not have to be kicked and spit upon and made fun of and, and drugged through the dirt and the muck and just treated like uh, just treated like trash. He didn't have to do it, but he knew what the cost of freedom meant to us. He knew that if he didn't do these things, we would not be free here today. We would not be talking about Jesus here today. We would not have the opportunity to be called sons and daughters of the one true king. And that's what it costs for us to be free. The American people, 93% of the time, have had to fight to stay free. Because as long as Americans have wanted to be free, there's been somebody or some nation somewhere that wants to make us not free. And it's the same way with Christians. You know, for as long as we're free, the enemy wants you to not be free. He doesn't want you to accept the free gift of salvation. He doesn't want you to accept the things that Jesus has for you. He doesn't want you to have the freedom to not be a slave to fear or not be a slave to sin or be able to serve one another with love. He doesn't, he doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want all the things that God has for you. So as long as you're free, he wants you to not be free, Right? So we have to be ready. And there's spiritual warfare happening at all moments. We may not see it, but Paul says that we fight against you know, evil stuff and principalities. And, and he says we fight against these things. We don't even see these things. But there's constantly a war raging inside of us. Because there's a carnal man inside of me that wants to do bad things. There's a carnal person inside of me that really wants to return back to my old ways before youth pastor Dusty. There's a carnal person inside of me that wants to destroy me and enslave me and make me think, man, this is good. I can do this. You know, I can live this way. And it's no big deal. And it's not going to be a big deal. But it's just constant inside of who I am. And it's in you too. There's constantly warfare happening. Do you want to stay free? As Christians today, do you want to stay free? I hope that you do. If you do, you have to do these things. Okay, so be ready to write these things down. You have to do these. If you want to stay free as a Christian, you have to do these things. Okay, freedom is an amazing thing, and freedom is a costly thing, and it will forever be very, very, very costly. If you want to stay free, you have to have a strong prayer life. There's an awesome Casting Crown song that says, 
The only way we'll ever stand is on our knees with lifted hands. And what a beautiful, simple statement that truly is. Because if you really want to go against the things that you're facing in life, if you really want to fight, if you really want to be strong enough to fight and, and win and prevail, you better get on your knees and start praying that God intervene. Because that's the only way you're going to win. Because I know you might be strong. I know you might be headstrong. I know you might be tough. But guess what? Satan is tougher. <laughs> and without Jesus, we can't win that fight. So we need that. We need to be prayed up. You have to have a strong prayer life. I have this bracelet on. Me and Josiah were just talking about it. Uh, it reminded me, so thank you. But I have this thing on. It says pray first. Pray first. On the other side, it says the youth. But this side is pray first. It seems like this side's always flipped up more than this side is. And it's pretty cool because it constantly reminds me to pray first no matter what I'm doing. If I'm getting ready to go to work, I pray first. If I, if I get ready to go into a meeting at work, I pray first. If I go to eat, I pray first. If I go to uh, whatever I'm going to say, pray first. You know, there's a lot of things that this reminds me to pray first in. That way it's a first reaction and not a last resort. A lot of times as Christians, we wait until things get so bad and we can't see anything that's happening because everything's crumbling down around us and then we'll hit our knees finally and say, God, we need you, we need you. And we're not even prayed up until that moment. How awesome would it be if we were already prayed up when things started crumbling around us and God's already ordaining things and he's already making things happen for us because we prayed up and we've asked him to start moving things in our life. So we have to pray first and not wait till last resort. If you want to stay free, pray first. It's First Thessalonians. You want to look that up. We have to read the Word of God. If you want to stay free, you need to get into your Bible. I know that sometimes, and if we're just being honest, um, sometimes reading the Word of God isn't fun. Right? I mean, come on. Be honest with me. Sometimes it's very easy to just roll over and go to sleep. Sometimes it's very easy to just turn on the TV and go brain dead for a minute. You know, but you have to get in this word. You have to. We're going to read John 8, 31 here. And we'll read 32 as well again, just to reiterate. So Jesus said to the Jews who had followed him and believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Something else that Jesus also said was, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me because he is the truth. And so you could read that same verse like this, and you will be my disciples if you abide in my word, and you will know Jesus, and Jesus will set you free. How can you know Jesus unless you're getting into his word? How can you know Jesus unless you're abiding in his word reading his word. Have you ever seen a plant that doesn't get water? What happens to the plant? It dies. You ever seen a tree that can't get, fruits can't find water and kind of nutrients? What happens to the tree? You ever seen a Christian that don't get inside the word of God? What happens? Eventually, there's spiritual death because you don't know the word. You don't know how to fight. And I was joking with uh, Jamie. He came to service this morning and I said, Jamie, and he was in, uh, he was in the military for seven years, and Ernie, you was in there as well. Did you ever hear him say, when we're going into battle, did you ever hear somebody say, but, you know, I'm going to leave my gun, though, because, you know, it's heavy, and it, I'll get there quicker if we get, I'll just leave the gun. Or if they said, you know, we're getting ready to go on a 10-mile march, but I'm leaving my 
boots, right? Because they weigh me down, they're heavy. I don't need boots on a hike, right? That's crazy. <laughs> you never hear anybody say that. They have their gun. They're ready for battle. They have their boots. They're ready for the hike. They're ready. Why? Because if they don't, they're going to not be successful in their endeavors. Christians, if you don't read the word of God, how can you stand against the evils of this world and the powers and the principalities that we face on a daily basis? How? You can't. You have to get in here, even if it's reading a verse a day. Pastor Ben asked us as a church to be reading through the book of Acts. I shared a, a devotional and uh, Acts reading plan on my Facebook, and uh, we shared it on the Bethesda People page as well. It's really cool. There's a quick devotional, and then you read a chapter a day, 28-day study. Read the book of Acts. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. For some reason, God had been tell us to do that, so I think that there's something in Acts that we're going to get from it. I, I believe that truly. I don't think that uh, I don't think he would just tell us to read Acts for no reason. So, read the book of Acts. It's going to be an awesome thing. And we have to worship freely. So to stay free, we need to be prayed up. We need to be read up, and we need to worship as a lifestyle and not just on a Sunday. We have to. I read this really beautiful, beautiful thing. I, I get that from Psalm. 57.7, by the way. I read this really beautiful thing yesterday, and it said, God is not this insecure cosmic being waiting for his people to praise him and tell him how awesome he is before he'll intervene into their life. That's not true. That's not who he is, because God is the same today. He's the same tomorrow. He's the same forever. He will always be the same. He doesn't change on what we do, but what, listen, guess who does change when we worship? We do. We change. We begin to change. Our mindset begins to change from things of this world, things of our troubles, all these different things that we're going through. It changes from that. It puts them here. It puts Jesus here when we worship. And guess what? Singing on Sunday isn't the only way you can worship. Because, I mean, it's awesome, though, right? You can sing. You can know the songs. You can raise your hands. I'll tell you my favorite thing, man, when I'm on the drums. And I got this speaker back here. So Leslie's voice and guitar, you know, that way I can hear where she's at. And uh, my favorite times is when I can hear you guys over her and my drums at the same time. And that's, that's the most beautiful thing. And I just know that, you know what, my God is being lifted high right now, and he needs to be lifted high. And it's just an awesome feeling for me. We need a lifestyle of worship. That way we can fight and we can stand and we can be strong enough. Amen. I'm telling you guys, if you start focusing on Jesus and start focusing on all the issues that you're having, God can solve those issues. Give them to Jesus. He can do those things for you, and he will. Every single day at 9.15 a.m., I have a verse that comes across my phone. It's a reminder. I have it set. It's a given every single day, a verse. It's Psalm 51. It comes rolling right across my screen. And uh, I, I pray this prayer every single day. I pray it as a prayer. I don't just read it. I pray it as a prayer because I, I need that in my life. Because like I said earlier, I have this carnal person inside of me, and uh, I fight that person every single day of my life. Uh, because that person just wants to do what it wants, and who I really want to be wants to be like Christ. And those two things don't mesh, okay? So every single day I know 
that if I don't put the old me to death, by the end of the day, the old me will be running the show. So I know that I have to wake up every single day and say a prayer. Because it's so funny. I mean, it seems like Satan, he knows how to get that person out of you. You know what I'm saying? He knows how to get that person out of you. If you have anger issues, doesn't he know exactly when to put you in traffic when you're late for work? I mean, doesn't he know exactly when to have you stub your toe in the middle of the night to make you just go into a frantic rage and start, you know, cursing and, and doing all the different things that you do when you stub a toe? Because, I mean, how bad is stubbing a toe, right? That's awful. But anyway, doesn't he know, guys, if uh, you have wandering eyes, doesn't he know the exact type of woman to put in your path to where you're like, okay, ladies, same for you. It's the exact... He knows exactly what to put. The man that walks across, he, he knows how to get those things out of you. He knows how to entice that being out of you. And if we're not prepared, if we're not prayed up, read up, and worshipped, and we don't have all these different things ready to go, then how are we going to be able to stand when he does come to tempt us? So this verse comes across, and I, and I pray, and I mean it. And I, I, it's not just something I go, yeah, here's the prayer that I want to pray. But no, I mean this with my whole heart. It says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sin. Wash me free of my guilt and purify me of my sins. And that is a powerful, powerful prayer if you say that and mean that. Because sometimes as Christians, we get down on ourselves, don't we? Because we feel guilty we'll commit a sin and then we start feeling guilty because you know the devil entice you you could do this one time it's not going to be that big of a deal you know go ahead hey say that do that look at that do that you know hey you know you can do this it's not a big deal but then as soon as you do it oh you moron you did it again he gave you a chance again and then you blew it he's not going to take you back this time he don't care about you now man you messed up bad now and it's always like that and we start feeling guilty and we feel like we are stained with our sins and it's like that every single time you do it but what do we do we go right back into it don't we it's crazy it's a it's a crazy thing but it's amazing because you say this prayer you say god purify me of my sin you know purify me wash me clean of my guilt because i feel guilty and i don't like it i don't like feeling like i'm guilty i want to be free god i want to be free so every day i have to say this prayer so at 9 15 if you're looking up say the prayer with me and say god help dusty because he needs you today and he wants you to wash him free of his sins and, and wash him of his guilt and help him because of your unfailing love, not anything that I'm doing. It's not about me. It's because of his unfailing love and because of his great compassion that I'm able to be free. So there's two messages happening today. There's one saying, Christian, you have to stay free. Okay, You have to remain free. And if you want to remain free, you have to do these things. And there's another one saying, sinner, if you're a sinner, if you're out there, you can be free. It's an amazing thing. Won't you stand with me? Leslie, you come play. If everybody would just bow their head and close their eyes. I, I just want to extend an opportunity for you to have another choice that you're free to make a choice today. I have two questions, and um, I'll ask those to you, and you can respond. You have a decision where you can respond to this. 
So if you're here and you're a Christian, you've already accepted Jesus, you've already accepted the free gift of salvation and freedom, if you've already done that, I want to extend an opportunity to you to say today and declare that you want to stay free and that you will fight to do it. So if you want to do that, if you've already been saved, you want to raise your hand right now and say, Dusty, pray for me. I want to stay free. I want to be free and stay free. Amen. That's awesome. Awesome. Hands everywhere, guys. It's awesome. So if you're in the room, you can go ahead and put your hands down. If you're in the room, if you're a sinner, if that's you, if you're the person who hasn't accepted the free gift of salvation yet, you have an opportunity. You have a freedom to make a choice right now. So if you're here and you want to accept the free gift of salvation, you can go ahead and raise your hand now. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Great. Great. Okay, you can put your hands down. For the first prayer, we'll just say something. You don't have to repeat after me. But just say something like this. If you want to stay free, say, Father God, today I declare that I want to fight to stay free. I don't want to be a slave to sin. I don't want to be a slave to fear. I don't want to be a slave to the old me. I want to be free, God. And today I decided I'm going to pray. I'm going to read. I'm going to worship, God. And I'm going to focus on you instead of the things I'm going through. So, Father, today I ask that when I'm doing those things, you make me feel bold. God, that you make me stand strong against the evils of the world. And that you just give me everything that I need, Father, to fight. And if you're in the second group, you said that you want to become free. <laughs> and this is awesome. You can say something like this to the one who made it possible for you to be free, to say, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the, for the price you paid for my freedom. I thank you for for everything you're doing and I'm sorry God that I've been trying to do things my way that I've been living in this bondage I've been living enslaved to the sin but Father today I want to be free so today I decide I'm living for you I'm coming your way God I'm, I'm going towards you I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for you today we pray these things in Jesus name Amen, Amen Awesome. Hey, if you said that prayer, hey, guess what? <laughs> You're a free person now. And uh, that's an amazing, amazing feeling. Uh, I love you. And if you ever need anybody to ever talk to or, or, or disciple or whatever, I'm so happy. I'd be so glad to help out in any way I can. I do have just one more thing to read to you guys. I, I, uh, I told a friend of mine that I would read this because um, he, he was a, a veteran in the Navy for about 17 years and as I was preparing for this sermon, I, uh, I asked him, I, I asked several veterans, but I asked him, and he was about the only one that actually gave me a really cool response. Um, I asked him, how can I honor a veteran today? How can I honor, and honor people who have given and, and put their life on hold for my cause and for my freedom? And, and uh, he said, let me think about it. I'll get back with you. Well, I, I didn't think he was going to. Uh, but last night... He sent me this message and said, I hope that you can work it into your altar call. <laughs> he don't go to, he's unchurched. He, he don't know how things work. But I told him, I said, I will. I will do that because I love you and I appreciate everything you did for me and, and everything you've done. He said, well, stop doing it. Stop thanking me. Because he was the veteran that said, I don't need thanks. Okay? I, don't, I don't need people to, to come up and tell me 
that, uh, you know, thank you for serving. He said, I serve because I love my country and I love my family and I want to be free. I was like, man, that is really profound because you don't hear that a lot. But a lot of veterans feel that way. And uh, I'm not saying, you know, and you'd never know Ernie was in the military. I mean, these veterans, they serve, they do these things because they, they just, they do. And they love us and they love their country. But he says this, he says, racial unrest, the racial unrest and murderous actions and political pink for, uh, finger pointing going on in our country in today's world has this old veteran thinking, I want to include my Christmas wish for peace on earth as a Veterans Day wish as well. He said, what better way to really honor vets than to use the freedoms that their service ensured to work together as a nation, putting aside our differences to keep peace with our fellow mankind. And I, I had never in a million years thought why not use my freedom to work towards peace and use that as a way to honor this veteran? <laughs> I never would have thought of that unless I asked him. So today, as you go out into the world, as you go out and you go about your business and you have your day and all these different things, and you, and you go about your life, keep this in mind that an old veteran from Vanceburg who served 17 years for you and your freedom asked that we work for peace that we unify as a church and we unify as a people and that we work for peace. And so if you want to honor a veteran and you don't know how, that's how you can do it.